Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 50, the Siyum Special Edition. Aw, thanks, kids. This episode is special not only because you're here with me. You guys. Or the nice round number 50, which has special significance in the Jewish tradition as the Jubilee year. No, no, no. This episode is special because we're about to launch the middle section of the Tanakh. And over the coming weeks, you might note some slight differences, tweaks really, to the format. Tanakh Cast has a new logo. Each episode is labeled differently, so it'll be easier to keep track of which episode you're listening to. The intro music is also different, as is the English translation to which I will be referring. Everett Fox, you served us faithfully with the Torah, but we're moving on to render the books of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings with the assistance of Robert Alter. And no longer will Moira, the Irish cyborg, read text out loud. Folks, especially my spouse, found that a bit too creepy. What remains the same is the structure of each episode. We'll begin with a brief summation of three, sometimes four chapters, and then there'll be a little bit of a musical interlude, and then a more thoughtful consideration of something that piqued my interest from the portion. So, completism is a thing now. Over at Slate, Matt Iglesias will watch, say, every episode of Star Trek the Original Series, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, and the Star Trek Enterprise, in addition to the 11 movies in the series. Or, say, Alice Gregory will read everything ever written by Janet Malcolm. Or Jack Hamilton will listen to every recording made by the Wu-Tang Clan. Or David Hagland will watch every Coen Brothers movie. I'll put a link up at the Next Jew and at the show page on Facebook and Google+, so you can read those for yourselves. In doing so, the completist acquires a broad global perspective about the works she or he has consumed, and writes a worthy, readable, two-and-a-half-thousand-word think piece. Completism is not for everyone. It requires fortitude. It requires tenacity. It requires zitzfleisch. But Jews have been completists since Sinai. One of the top ten normative Jewish behaviors is studying. Up there with kvetching, eating, kvetching about eating too much, and avoiding strenuous activity. Completist tendencies are most commonly directed at the Torah. As anyone who attends services in a traditional synagogue will tell you, completism is built into the Shabbat morning service. Each week, a portion or parsha is read aloud. And if you come for a year, bam, whole Torah, finished and then you start all over again. Occasionally, folks tackle the Mishnah, usually in honor of a deceased person, so that 30 days following the death, they can hold a communal siyum. And serious completists tackle the Talmud, and when they finish a tractate, they also celebrate with a siyum. But what's a siyum? Siyum literally means completion, and it also means... just completed the Torah and we're going to celebrate with a trip down the Nostalgia Autobahn. I'll unveil some best ofs from the Torah, you can call it a Pentateuchstical, with some color commentary from Siyum's special guest Dan Friedman, a well-known bon vivant, raconteur, Aikido aficionado, and amateur Torah nerd, who will share his thoughts about the winners in each category. And so, thus endeth the summation, and beginneth the consideration. 
So, joining me is Dan Friedman, raconteur, oh. bon vivant, Aikido aficionado, and amateur Torah nerd. Howdy. Welcome. I'm, I, I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me on. No, it's, it's my pleasure. And so, <laughs> as, as we were saying before, you know, you've seen my list of, of uh, Pentateuchsticles, and I have not <laughs> seen yours. So, we're going to sort of go through the list of the best ofs, you know, the best in show, you know, best you know noodle restaurant in the in the Torah. In the Torah, <laughs> and we'll uh, work our way through the list, and then hopefully people won't fall asleep. Wow, this is tall order. Well, I mean, maybe it could be you know like the you know Buzzfeed style cure for insomnia. We make this oh, long yeah, yeah. This, this long list of best of. You don't believe what? <laughs> Click here. <laughs> Twenty nine inventions that were not from the nineties. So the first one I wrote down is the best mom. And this is actually a very contentious category because a lot of people will automatically say, who, well, who would you think people would automatically say is the best mom? Jeez. Sarah. Yeah. yeah. I think some people are going to go for Sarah. I think some people would go for Yocheved. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, giving up, like, giving up your your son on a whim, right? That to, to not on a whim, but on like a, like okay, she's she's in a position where she knows that all of the sons are getting killed, right? Right, but uh, you know it's kind of heroic what she does, right? Put them in the basket, send them down the river. You don't really know what's going to happen. Well, a bit. I mean, on a wing and a prayer, you know, just literally, like, yeah. like I have no idea what's going to happen here. And you could like hear the strings, you know, swelling in the background exactly. as she lowers the the little basket into the water. Uh, yeah, I would definitely give uh, some points to Yochavid. Yochavid's Sa- up there. She's definitely ranking up there. I mean, Sarah, though, I mean, you know, she, she kind of, she's kind of mean. Mm. I mean, you know, she she has uh, you know Ishmael thrown out of the house. She has Hagar sent off into the desert a couple of times. Mm. A couple kinda, of times, I thought it was just once. Uh, there was once where she had her sent away, and then once she had her sent away when she had when when Hagar had Ishmael as well. Ooh. I mean, she also laughs in God's face. I mean, really? Mm. But uh, my, my pick was Rebecca. Again, mm-hmm. not necessarily for the obvious reasons. Um, you know, not, not that she had like, a really good breakfast cereal that she made. But she did definitely mm-hmm. prep Yaakov. Right. You know, she said, listen, I have this all worked out. You're going to go and, and make him this dish. You're going to get dressed like, his, like, like, like your brother Esav. And, and she has the whole plan. She has the whole thing planned out. So you got to give her points for that, I think. Okay. But I do think Yocheved, though. I mean, like the real fan favorite is Yocheved. Yocheved's pretty up there. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be a tough sell. The self, the selfless mom. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, surely Riv- Rivka knows that whatever happens to Yaakov, like if this plan does not work, right? Yeah. He's in trouble. Oh, yeah. He's it's... in deep trouble with dad if yeah. he's pretending to be his brother and dad figures it out. But you got to wonder, like, you know... The mom kind of scheming with her son against her husband. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. Right? There's all kinds of stuff going on here. But it was ultimately for the best. So best mom, but not necessarily the best partner. Yeah. What about the best dad? Okay. So best dad, right? I'm thinking, you know, what do we, how do we think of best dads now, right? Well, like the take ironic you best to, dad? Take you out to the park, throw, some, throw a ball around with you, make time for you on the weekend. Or the best dad who works really hard and never sees his children until they're forty, right? Sure. Now let's that's let's a, let's take this let's, let's take this straight. Like you know, okay. not ironically, the best dad. Like no, no, the best dad. Best dad. Um, gee, I'm trying to think. 
I mean, Yaakov is actually a pretty good dad. Yeah. All things considered, right? Like he's very careful with his children. He does his best. He kind of messes up on the whole Joseph part. But I think that's just as much that, you know, being deceived by the kids, by the other kids who throw him in the pit and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, but like he, he's, he's trying, right? He's trying. He tries. There's that whole death, that extended deathbed scene where he's like blessing each child. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not children by that point, right? He's like, whatever, 500 years old and they're each 300 years old or something. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, he's, but no, but actually there's, in, in fact, for Yaakov being a best dad, I'm thinking also of the um, return, the, the scene where he encounters Asaph again after yeah. their long estrangement. Yeah. And he's very careful to put the women and children, uh, you know, behind. Mm-hmm. Right, like he's 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 protecting them. You know what I mean? Like he's certainly being pretty paternal in that respect. Yeah. Well, yes, of course. That's uh, definitely uh, a moment there where he doesn't know what's going to happen, so he has to right. divide so the camp. Somehow, you've got best dad as Abraham. Yeah, I wrote down Abraham because and I'm like, you know, my <laughs> best, my dad. Things I remember my dad for. He took me out to the park. He played ball with me. He uh, one time took me up uh, up a mountain I had never been to before. Uh, lied to me about why we were going and then <laughs> strapped me down to an altar and raised a knife over my head. That was Somehow, actually... that's not the best, my image of best dad. That was the alternate ending for Field of Dreams. <laughs> you didn't get that on the DVD? Right. Where the dad takes I didn't him. didn't have just, time just to come with me out. The... Come with me to the cornfield. I want to show you something. Right. No. I, I didn't have time to watch the special features. No, I did. I put, I put on Abraham because essentially... No, I don't know what I was thinking. You're right. I think I think Yaakov is much better, even I mean, with Abraham, even with the Yosef thing. Supposed to again, it's like Sarah, yeah. actually, right? It's like the sort of reflexive, you know, direct direct line from the gut to the mouth responses. Oh, it's Avraham, right? Yeah. Because he's like he was the first. He's the big Avraham, right? Like he's the one. But actually, actually, how much of a like what kind of father was this guy? Well, I mean. I, I I almost was like I think the next so like the next category for sure I said ironically but the fact is I think that if you look at all the patriarchs like their parenting's pretty lousy. I can't argue with you. You know I mean I can't argue. Even even Yaakov who you give props to for for you know looking after his kids and taking care of them, he did you know foment a murderous rivalry between his sons. Right. He so, caught something. There's there's a reason that they didn't like him. That they didn't like Yosef, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Yosef was kind of thing. He was kind of a jerk, also. Well, he was kind of a he was a bit of a I mean, mama's boy, right? Like he was a bit of a brown noser, right? Yeah, but you know what? I, I don't think it's ever acceptable to get up in the morning and share your dreams with everybody. I, no one wants to hear that. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's a problem to share your dreams with everybody if they're interesting, if they're funny, <laughs> if they're you know, if they're funny. Yeah, my daughter wakes up in the morning. She tells us these dreams. They go on for like three hours and they're hilarious. And they've got all these weird, funny characters in them. And really, it's just they're very funny. Huh. They're like weird in dream in the dream way. The huh. dreams, but there's certainly nothing in them about like hey, you were all bowing down to me. By the way, like by the way. Yeah. Incidentally, you're all my slaves. Right. Yeah. That's not. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Something in here for best dream telling moment that would not win it yeah unless i was being ironic like i was with all these other answers well, sure, yeah, yeah that, that's 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 not interesting oh by the way you're my slave in my dream yeah it's right not, not i don't, I don't want to i don't want to hear that over the breakfast like, this is the thing about yosef and his dreams they're they're not interesting he needs a better writer <laughs> yeah don't like, who's who is this guy that's giving 
get putting together the copy for Joseph's dreams. Well, it's clearly Day's residue. I'm like he's thinking. He must be thinking about it. I don't know. All right, let's 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 move on because we'll come in. Yeah, all right. We'll get to the next one. Hair? This yeah, the best hair. Now I already could see going forward like when we do the best of for the Nevi'im, like who's going to be the winner here? But clearly, mm. I think there's only one person who has really good hair in the Torah. Yeah, that's his stuff. Yeah, because I mean that's his that's his defining that's quality. His thing. Yeah, he's just, he's just really. <laughs> Do they talk about anyone else's hair? I don't know, but I but uh, Esau definitely is is the hairiest. Moses comes comes uh, oh, back from right. Yeah, what is it? The burning bush or comes back from getting the Ten Commandments and he turns he's all he's all white. No, I think that might, that's probably just Cecil B. DeMille who did that. I, oh. I, I don't I don't remember. I think like the part where the light was shining off his face and he had the the light. His face was was really, oh, that's really right. bright. Scared of the people are scared of the light shining right. off his face, so he has to wear a veil. Yeah, I don't think that. But it's, that's not necessarily the hair. Oh, he, you know, maybe we'll get him for the best veil competition category. Best, best male veil wearer. <laughs> Moshe. No, but the next one. I mean, this next one though, number five. Yeah. yeah. The best circumcision. Yeah. It's important circumcision, Gershom. Yeah. It's tough to argue with that one. Uh, the blood and the, br- the 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 bridegroom of blood. It's like it's a scene from a Roger Corman movie. <laughs> Although I have to give, I have to admit that the thought of a ninety-some-year-old man circumcising himself—that's also up there. Abraham, yeah. Well, isn't no, no, no. Doesn't God circumcise him? No, no, no. He, uh, he, I think he, he does he, it himself. I think he does it himself. Oh, I thought that. I thought it. I thought God did it. That would still hurt either way. Well. There's no argument there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, then then you can get into other you know questions about like, well, how do you define the best when you're talking <laughs> about something like circumcision? I mean, that's like best lethal car accident. Well, uh, the best <laughs> circumcision could easily be determined based on what was served after the circumcision. <laughs> so if right. it's like whitefish salad and some and some bagels, yeah, you know, that's like good. but like cinnamon raisin just with butter, not so good. Not so not so good. It just no. doesn't cut it. No. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. The so next they one. They talk about the food at uh, after Gershom's. Uh... No, but there was. Well, they, didn't they offer some sacrifices or something? I don't remember. Because that would be sort of the that the the equivalent in those times. I think of your you know bagel with high quality locks. Yeah. Would be like you know the blood of the ram spattering and <laughs> right. Yum. They were into that back then. Yum, yum, indeed. All right. Number six, the best brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote here Shimon and Levi. Okay. Um, and uh, they, I put them down because they uh, were the, sort of the rascally brothers <clears throat> who murdered a whole bunch of guys who also were being circumcised post circumcision. Um, wow. To look those post- rascals. They were such ra- such rascals. And then yeah. you know, yeah, they, you know, they're just such such all that, them and them are tomfoolery. The tom, mm. It's just like, hey, let's go into Shrem and and murder all the men while they're recuperating from their circumcision. Memories of childhood. <laughs> oh, the things we used to get up to. Ugh, tying a cat, you know, cat's tail with a tin can and murdering a whole bunch of murdering people. Murdering an entire city. <laughs> while they're recuperating from a circumcision. While oh, they're recuperating from a mass circumcision, yes. Gosh, okay. Wow, those were the days. Yeah. Let's, Next. Let's jump ahead to the to uh, number, number, well, best murder. Best murder? Now, you have your kind killing Hevel. Yeah, because it's like, it's the classic. Well, I mean, it's the one, it's the first one. But it's like the classic, you know, you, you want to kill your brother. 
Sure. So they took it a little bit too far. He actually did kill his brother. Yeah. <sighs> but I think it coins the term, I'm going to kill you. Like when your brother does something you don't like. Uh, I can't. It's hard to argue with that. <laughs> um, what I'm actually thinking through is how many other murders are there? Well, there's. you were just talking about Shem. Yeah, Moshe um, murdered a taskmaster. Right. Like I'm just thinking like who are the also rams here? Okay, so you got Moshe. You got Shimon and Levi. They already got something else. We don't have to give them another award. That's right. They're happy. Uh, who else? Let's see. Uh, well, you've got, uh, isn't Joseph, Yosef, didn't he kill somebody in Egypt or something? No, he, he's, he's uh, running away from his master's wife who wants to sleep with him. There's no, I don't, I don't think he kills no him. No murder that happens in there? No, the, the, the guy who, um, the uh, cupbearer gets killed, but not by murder. He's executed. Okay, right. Um, right oh, 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 I know another good one. Um, Pinchas. Mm. Uh, this is when they're in the desert, yeah, yeah. And, and, and some guys start whoring with some some women, some Moabite yeah, women. Yeah. He like, grabs an like a like an awl and he mm-hmm. stabs the guy and the woman together and kills them. Right, he pins them to the ground or something. Right? Yeah, wasn't it something like that? Oh, and Moshe's like, "Ooh, props! That's awesome." I was going to say that's pretty good. And actually, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's like, that's good. like the murders of that's the murder scene of uh, who dies like that. In Dune. Uh, oh, in Dune. I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking the uh, the uh, John Lithgow character when he falls out of a helicopter and gets impaled. Oh sure. But doesn't like no, no no. But this is no no. In Dune, there's a guy who actually gets stabbed into the ground, like pinned to the ground Ooh. with a blade. Nice. But that's it's like through the neck. It's quite <laughs> gruesome. Um, and now I can't remember who it is. I'm sure someone will. But it's in the David Lynch version. Someone will write in and tell us. One of the most underrated science fiction movies of all time, in my humble opinion, but that's not a matter. All right. I, no, I definitely agree. With murder. That. It's a pretty good murder. Uh, so, yeah, but it's okay killing Havel. I mean, you, you, it's a classic. It's the classic. You can't, you can't go wrong buying IBM, and you, 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 you don't get fired for buying M, you don't get fired for, you know, going with the very first murder on record. Yeah. As the best. I mean, well, also because it's like. So does that mean it's all downhill from there? Well, I mean, the way it was set up, like, hey, come on out, I want something, I want something to show you. Come on out. We don't even know what what what, what the exchange between them was. Mm-hmm. They're suddenly out in the fields, and then bam, he's dead. Right. But then the follow up, I think, is the, is the is the coolest part where you know God says to to Cain, you know, you know bones cry out to me from the earth. Yeah, your blood is crying out. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's pretty. That's pretty epic. Yeah. That's pretty good. Biblical, you might even say. Yes. Someone should put that in the Bible. <laughs> Someone should put that in the Bible. Yeah. Someone should. All right. Tamara and Yehuda. Tamara and Yehuda, yeah. The best sexy time moment. Um, you know, she really, you know, I, what I find interesting is the fact that Yehuda doesn't recognize her. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, then if you think about it, like, if you saw someone in clothes all the time and suddenly saw them without clothes, with their face was covered up, It'd be kind of hard to recognize them. So does she cover her face well, when she seduces him? Is that like a listed, like did, that, did they actually say that? Well, the Kadesha, the, 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 like the sacred prostitute, I think was veiled. Oh. And so when Yehuda when she, when meets her, sees her in the, in the, in the, in the crossroads, hmm. I, don't, I don't think he would recognize her. And the fact is that she was also very clever in getting his, his staff and seal as a, uh, as a collateral. Right. Which later on saved her life because... Right. Uh, when she suddenly got pregnant and had no husband, people were a bit suspicious. Now, 
Is there anything Freudian going on there? Staff, seal. Well, he didn't have cash. Mm-hmm. So that's what he gave her as a... As a, as a I see. So it's like... Here, okay. hold on to my Rolex. I'll come back for it. Or hold uh-huh. on to my cell phone. Uh-huh. And I'll come back and give you cash. And when he came back, she was gone. Because clearly she was not interested in, in the cash. Uh-huh. That was a, she was not in this for the money. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, she was. I mean, in a sense, she was. She was in it for this financial security... She wasn't in it for the one-time money. She was right. in. She was playing the long game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she was in for the big picture. Which, by the way, in the next category, the best mm-hmm. icky sexy time yes. was Lot and his daughters because yes. they were thoroughly convinced that after what happened to Stone, that they were the last humans on Earth. Right. But the thing is, even as any way you look at it, it's just icky. Now, all right. So this is this is not a story that I'm actually familiar with. Again, Jewish school education. Right. Stress the word amateur. Nerd. Yeah, but they're not going to so, go into incest. I mean, that's just yeah. No, they didn't. They didn't. They right. really didn't. But I'm just want like so. What's the so they get out of stone? And you know the angels but were I, there. Don't they escape with? They go with. They get out with Abraham, right? No, Abraham is is not anywhere nearby. Oh. The angels who, who they finish talking to Abraham and then they go to Sodom and you know, one thing leads to another and and the, the, the Lot and his family are fleeing. It's only his daughters. Right. Sons-in-laws don't come with. They refuse. They're like, this is nonsense. It's Lot, his wife, and the daughters, they leave. Yeah. And the angels the say to them, back. she turns into salt. And then they get into like a cave. And then like all hell breaks loose. And there's like, you know, explosions and chaos and mayhem. Right. And the daughters basically decide that, you know, there are no humans left. They're going to have to repopulate the earth. So they get their uh-huh. father drunk over a series of nights. And they sleep with him and conceive mm-hmm. children. Okay. Who later, you know, are the nations that come to vex the Israelites in the desert? Uh huh. So this is like the source of like Amalek and people like that. Yeah, like Moab and Ammon. Yes. Got it. So what? Uh, now still icky though. It sounds pretty icky to me. Are they? Do they receive any comeuppance for this? Like this? No. Hashem like say something about this, or is it just merely no. this? This is described and then. Meanwhile, of, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, right. Abraham is having a snack. Yes, they exactly. cut back to right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes things are presented, and they're given a kind of a portent, like there's a meaning ascribed to them, and like it's and this was never like a never again did, did we ever see such a blah 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 or and this is why you know blah 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 exactly. And then at other times you get these really out there, really non-standard, you know. Like I said, like the stuff we don't learn in Jewish school, and there's no commentary at all. The tech, the narrator, whoever the narrator is, just isn't isn't going to bother trying to explain this one at all. Well, I mean, I think that they so that's probably, all I got. They slept together, yeah. and uh, well, so how about that Abram guy? Yeah, well, I mean, it also may just sort of give you a sense about why these nations are so you know immoral. Sure, is that they were conceived in in immorality. Right. If you can ascribe someone's history to an immoral. Conception right from the get-go. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that people, anti-Semites, have done with Jews for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. So this is like the oldest trick in the book, as they say. Yes, in the oldest book. The book being, here we are. With yes. The book. All right, CGI. Or more like GGI, God-generated G-G-I. imagery. GGI. Yeah. The creation. The creation. C. Although, know. you don't know? Why? What's, what would be better? That parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, I know you're going to go there. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and ev- you know, in every version I've seen of it in movies, 
even the Cecil B. DeMille one, it's still pretty awesome. It is awesome, but I have to say, even even Cecil B. DeMille, when I see it in the movies, it's not as good as I imagined it when I heard the story. Well, what, what was missing? It just doesn't have the... It's not as awesome as I think actually experiencing something like that would be. Oh, I see. It doesn't convey quite the level of wow. I mean, it's pretty wow. I'll give you... Cecil knows how to put a movie together. But, but anyway, so as far as I'm... I mean, creation... All right, yes. You know, you've got firmaments being formed out of firmaments. It's all very impressive. You know, the, the dry land. But it's kind of... It's kind of dry. The description is a little dry. Is that really the best imagery? Well, I, th- I think that, you know, the Torah being the Torah, it's not going to have, you know, overly florid descriptions of anything. No, you're, no, you're, you're I gonna beg ha- to differ. You're, you're going to have to fill in the blanks. You know what I, mean? I beg to differ. There's very uh, uh, detailed and almost meticulous descriptions of in, in the song At the Sea. Yes. Right? Of, of all of the things that, I mean, there's the beautiful poetry describing, and I mean, much later on we get into things like Eicha, describing in gruesome detail all of the destruction of Jerusalem, right? Like, I mean, there can be some very detailed descriptions of things when they want there to be. Mm, true. That's why I got to say, on this one, I got to fight you. Okay. On this one, I'm really not, the creation, eh, I think, okay. Impressive okay. things are happening, but that's not the best imagery. If you really want to take the eye in GGI seriously. Uh-huh. I, I, you got to look elsewhere. You don't think that uh, eating a, a pot brownie and going to the Hayden Planetarium wouldn't uh, change your mind? About Cecil B. DeMille? About the imagery, about creation. I'm like, uh, you know, you see these uh, these planetarium films, like, you know, in the in the domed screen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I go to the McLaughlin Planetarium. I know. Yeah. I know. The 70s when, such, when, when it was actually in operation. Or they played Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. That's right. The Ethereum <laughs> presents the Beatles. Yeah. All right, let's move ahead to let's just skip down a little bit to mm-hmm. number to to number best dressed and best undressed. Okay. Best dressed, Yosef. Well, that's you know hard to hard to contest that one. He's got the robe. He's got a lot of color. You don't need much more than that, really. It's he's clearly styling. Yeah. Because his brothers are clearly pissed. <laughs> right. So, like, I mean, if it was kind of like a geeky-looking, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it wasn't actually all that, then yeah. his brothers wouldn't care. Right. They'd be like, hey, uh, nice robe or whatever. But they're not, right? They're, they're actually, as you said, you know, it foments a lethal, murderous rage amongst them that, that he gets this, these threads and they don't. So, clearly, it really is a very good robe. Absolutely. All right. I'd like that for myself. A robe, right. a robe like that. Undressed? Hmm. I think Noah has some stiff competition here. I know I know the story you're talking about. This is when they get Noah drunk, right? Yeah. At the at the end. Like the the flood is over, it's all over. They've done everything. They've saved the world. Yay. And then like he gets drunk, yeah. He he gets drunk and he's nude and it's all a big controversy about which son does what I can't remember which it was Ham. Yeah, Ham uh has a little bit of a episode there yeah yeah but and it's like which son is willing to cover him and which son makes fun of him or something like that something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. so i see all that money spent on jewish education it does eventually have it, its uses it was worth every dollar <laughs> but 
but I, he does have some stiff competition uh-huh. from two other very famous unclothed people. Uh-huh. Right? Again, if you're going to go with the iconic unclothed people, you're talking about Adam and Eve. Oh, there you go. Right? Not dressed. That's right. Not dressed. That's right. For at least the first significant portion of their lives. Yep. So, again, here's where we get into the question of, like, what's best? No, I, th- I agree. I think I, Who I have was to say... best at being undressed? <laughs> uh, no yeah. one was passed out. <laughs> had a little too much to drink. and Face robe, down. Face down, his robe falls off him as he collapses. Mm, versus naked coming naked came i into the garden you know like formed out of you know dust and breath and whatever the rib bone he's got some stiff competition yeah i'm 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 frankly surprised the judges gave this one to no no i think i think that uh i think you're right i'm gonna give that one to you Hmm. how about the best plague best plague in a supporting role i see what you're saying here so this is like, this was a plague, but it was kind of like not the main deal. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. I, 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 don't, I don't think I would argue with this one. I can't think of any other plague at this point in the Torah. Besides the, t- besides of, the well, 10. Torah? Torah, yeah. So. Like would be the only other thing you would have on this list? For that, right? Where again, Torah isn't like we don't really care what it is. We're what we care much more about what it implies about you. Yep. <laughs> or like about you and your household, mm-hmm. and any you know, and somehow anyone you come into contact with, and the tent you're you're in, you and sleep the bed in, you and sleep and on, and it yeah. goes on and on. And on right? Like this, like you're so sick, your house is sick, literally. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's not really about the plague itself. No, I, I'm going to give that one to you too. I, th- I thought oh. the, the annihilation of Sodom and Amorah, but I think that you're right. I think you see, that... and here again, annihilation of Sodom and Amorah is there's some pretty great imagery there. You've got stuff falling from the sky. It's almost like a, did you ever see the Pompeii movie? No. Wow. Well, uh, why would yeah. I see that movie? I, I know. Okay. How, I know how it ends. Happened to be awake. On that particular evening in 1982, I, I <laughs> watched CTV. I don't. I was seven, but <clears throat> yeah, right. Like so, stuff's falling from the sky, and uh, it's really scary. Like that's a that's a powerful image, right? It's going to destroy your whole your whole city, which, as far as you know, is all of civilization. Yeah. Like at least in the the next one here in the slaying of the firstborn, it's just the firstborn of Egypt. There are other humans out there in the world. This isn't the end of the universe. Yeah, but the whole idea of like you being in your house and the next door neighbors, you know, they're having their firstborn slain in their house while mm. you are safe is pretty neat. Oh, oh okay, and it, it is in a lead. There's no 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 question that the slain the firstborn is born is in a lead role, which is to say, like it, it's the thing that's pushing the narrative forward at that point, right? Yeah. It's not like there's something else going on. This is not just a gov. By no. the way, this is the their, their, being slain. This is the main show. They're building up to it. And well, and God's pretty showy about it, right? Especially like later, like in the Haggadah, even, right? It's like, I'm the one that came and I passed over all the Israelite houses and I killed the, every firstborn in Egypt personally. It was me. Yeah. 
right? Like there's that whole section in the Haggadah. So that is really where the action is. So there's a, that's a good, I think that's a good call. Okay. So best zinger. <clears throat> best zinger. Yeah. And my, my brothers, you know, the, um, the joke my dad always used to tell was the one about how, uh, Havel used to run around with, he used to play a game, Kane would sit on his head. It's classic, right? He would sit on his head all the time. They would walk around, they would walk around like, like with Kane sitting balanced carefully on Havel's head. And of course, Kane kills Abel. And so, you know, God says to Kane, where's your brother? And he turns to God and he says, what am I, my brother's keeper? <laughs> right? And the answer is? It's a pretty good singer. Yeah, it's a very good singer. <laughs> really good. The answer, you know the answer. We talked about it already. His bones cry out to be from the earth, which somehow, you know, takes all the fun out of the singer. But, you know. Yeah. We were talking about murder. Yes. Can't the really. first fratricide. And the first uh, snarky comeback. Mm-hmm. No, I do think that is the best. I can't. It, it, there are other good, I mean, besides, you know, Kane is kind of the Lenny Bruce of the first five books of the Torah, I think. If you want to talk about humor style. Yeah. He's not afraid to go to the dark places. Right? <laughs> yeah. Moses is a little bit more like the Henny Youngman, you know, take my wife, please, level yeah. of humor. Right? Where he's like, I'm out in the desert here. Come on, throw me a bone. Yeah. God. <laughs> right? These people. What am I going to do with them? These people, they want, now they want quail, right? Mm -hmm. Jokes kind of write themselves for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's why the best understatement goes to Moshe when he's coming down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and he hears mm -hmm. the sound in the camp and Joshua says to him, is, this, is, this, is there a war going on? And he says, nope, it's not a war. <laughs> right, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's this exact style of ironic... Humor. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, how about uh, then the best kvetch slash flexitarian menu? I think this is a very good one. The Israelites are, are really strong in the whining department. They clearly train at, at it. I mean, Yaakov himself it comes up pretty, pretty close to the later Israelites. I mean, he certainly is the progenitor. It's very clear. You know, he is the, uh, the original self-hating Jew. But... I think the Israelites take it um, with the, the the sheer endurance, the sheer power and, uh, and consistency of their fetching in the desert. I mean, fetching for 40 years, it's pretty... Pretty intense. I mean, look, my kids can fetch for a good, you know, 48, you know, 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> when we're in the car, you know, on the way to, to Safta's house or something. You know, they can they can fetch the whole way up Ather Street. But I mean, these guys, these guys take it to a whole other level. They are fetching for 40 years. That's a talent. That's world class. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right? And, the and yes, I think the, the, the meal, Egyptian fish. That is all the major food groups, I think. Cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. That sounds like a, a very nice, you could, I would, you know, that sounds like something I would get. You go today and you could get that in like Ramat Poleg or something like that. Like they would, they would feed you that. Yeah. 
sounds sounds delicious. It's 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 a very Israeli, uh, like modern Israeli. Like it's right up there. It's right. I can just see that one. That's right. Well, that one's right above shashuka on the menu. <laughs> I wonder if Otolengi has that in his cookbook. He should. If he doesn't, it's definitely lacking. Sure. If he doesn't, because I mean that's that's the real because he's aiming for the kind of cross cultural Jewish uh, slash Arabic characteristic of that chunk of the Middle East, right? In that cookbook? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yes, Jerusalem, yeah. yeah. So here you've got, you know, Israelites yearning for Egyptian food. How much more cross-cultural can you get? Not it's good. Either. No, I think it belongs here in the best categories, for sure. No no contest. All right, and our last one. Because I'm just trying to hold on, wait. Because I'm just thinking, like, what else is even in this category? A mess of pottage. <laughs> I'm right. really, I'm really hungry. Can you give me something to give eat? Give me some of those red beans, right? Like, I mean, what, like, what else? Menu wise, right? well, uh, Abraham, when he served the uh, the three uh, messengers, the three angels, he gave them a nice little uh, some food. Do they tell? Do they actually list out what it's what it is? They do. He says, you know, go and get some cakes, some bread baking, some rolls, and some he slaughters a uh, some meat for them. There's also dairy products. Actually, it's not really technically a kosher meal. It's wow, kosher. that's an interesting. I would love to hear the midrash, the 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 authors of the midrash talking about this one. Well, I think they sort of. If it's like meat and cheese. Uh, yeah, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was. Uh, did that not get taken up? I think that there was a lot of uh, of uh, damage control on that in the midrash. <laughs> Hand waving. It's like no over there. Not the dairy, not the dairy. <laughs> but yes, they had to they had to definitely Okay. okay last one. Uh the last one's the best haggler. Mm-hmm. The best haggling in the Tana in the in the Torah. Uh over the people in Sodom. Yeah, well again, you're picking the 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 iconic, the the original, right? Like I mean it doesn't get much more iconic than this. Like the Jews standing up to God and saying, wait. Just a minute. Can you find one? I know. I think that's um, again, again. Who's his competition here? Is Mo? Does Moses haggle with God I, I when think, God I think threatens so. to kill the Jews because he gets so mad? Yeah, right. I think, I think so. I think there is. Egel Zahav. Does Does Moshe actually? On numerous do, other opportunities, that you know, Moshe basically is uh, says to God, you know, look. What are you going to do with these people? Then take me, kill me, don't or mm-hmm. strike me from the book. I don't want to be in the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot but of none, give and of, take. none of this. None of this is all pale in compare. This pales in comparison to the chutzpah. Oh, the sheer chutzpah, like, absolutely. Of like, okay, Abe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy this city. Wait, <laughs> wait. I have can to feel find ten people. Can I oh, find five? Fine. <laughs> Anywho, I think we've right. re- we've reached the end of our list, Dan Friedman. Uh, I actually, for my own edification, I want to not miss number twenty-two. Ah, Yigar Sahaduta. Yes, it's the only. What is it, and where is it, and uh, I want to know more about this. Okay, so you know, there's the whole story about Yaakov, like deciding he has to return to Canaan. He leaves his father-in-law's house, and there's all kinds of. Uh, machinations on Levant's part to keep him there because sure. there's all this profit and money being made, etc. But eventually uh, Yaakov leaves and 
there's a little bit of a business about the Trafim, like where are they? Did you take them? But in the end, Lavan and Yaakov part on good terms and they establish a sort of contract between them and then they set up a standing stone uh-huh. as like a sort of a physical marker of their agreement. Okay. And at that point, it says in the text that they set up a Yegar Sahaduta, that's Aramaic, or in the language of the land, or as otherwise known as a Gal Ed. Like Gal is like a like a, like a round mm-hmm. stone, as Ed is a witness. So it's like a testimonial right. stone that they set mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So Yegar Sahaduta is the Aramaic version of Gal Ed. Of that word. Yes. Now, Aramaic from when? Well, from, like, you know, Levan was an Aramean, so it's the language he spoke. Uh-huh. But would he have spoken the same Aramaic that was... This is not, is this the same, this is, this seems to me like an anachronism. Yeah, it's, it's either an anachronism or it's some kind of, you know, ancient, you know, residue in the text. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, because the Aramaic that we are more familiar with, of course, comes from later. Right. So does this match up with that Aramaic? I mean, this is like, there's a couple of thousand years difference here. Right. In terms of time span. Now, I I could. Given the pace of linguistic change. I could not tell you specifically. Um, you know what I'm saying, right? Because we can't even we can't even understand. We could barely follow Shakespeare, and that was what well, five six hundred years, five four five hundred years ago. And Chaucer is already all practically indecipherable unless you have a degree in it, right? And that's like six seven hundred years ago or something. So like three thousand years ago. Oh no, the Aramaic that was spoken by the rabbis of the Mishnah and Jesus yeah. and all those guys was not. The Aramean, Aramaic or Aramean right. spoken by Lavan and his mates in Haran. Right. But it does sound like it would be an Aramaic word, you know, Sahaduta, that ah uh, It's ending. totally, it's got that, yeah, it's got the, uh, so that's what I'm, like, where does that, I mean, I'm a big, I'm always interested in being a Torah nerd. I'm always interested in things like the documentary hypothesis and all that stuff. So like, who actually wrote this and who actually stuck that word in there, right? Well, well it, it sounds some smart aleph. <laughs> who thought, oh, he's Aramean, I should make him sound Aramean, I'll use some Aramaic here. Well, I mean, there's the whole classic, you know, Sarna spiel about the, the camels in the ancient Near East, right? Uh-huh. That um, that they could not possibly have ridden on camels. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, this is like an interesting little... There's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. But anyway, anyway, I, I'm always fascinated by these little linguistic turns that show up that no one can really explain very well. That's probably the, the, the most uh, prominent one. Uh-huh. Where they actually say, this is what it is in this language, and this is what it is in, in yeah. this language. Yeah. Hmm. Standing stone. So this is like a megalith? It's like a... It's, it's also interesting is because... You know, later on in Deuteronomy, you know, when they sort of talk about how much they hate idolatry, they say, smash all the standing stones. Mm-hmm. But, but if you go back and look, like, the patriarchs were involved in a lot of standing stone standings uh-huh. for various reasons. Uh-huh. So, to, mark a, to mark a grave site or to mark a contract or to mark a... Well, you know, if you go back to the best, dream, the best dream, you know, Yaakov, mm-hmm. after he sees the the vision of the ladder and the, the, ladder. Angel, the mm-hmm. angels, he wakes up in the morning and the rock that he slept on, he stands upright and he makes yep. that a standing stone. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, it was, it's t- it was definitely tied into a religious ritual of some kind, or it's just a, a marker of significance. 
So Avraham is not, so you've got another category here, actually, for later consideration, uh -huh. which is best smashing of the idols. <laughs> because you can go all the way back to Avraham, but then when we get to the Nevi'im, of course, there's plenty of idol smashing that has to happen in various times and places. Absolutely. Eliyahu, you know, whoever. Yeah. Right. And we'll get into that as we enter into the next section of the, of the Nevi'im, the prophets. Okay. Something to look, look forward, forward to. to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thank you, Dan. Thanks for your time and thanks for your wisdom and curiosity. Thank you so much for having me. I hope we can do this again. It's my pleasure. All right. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend. Send them an email to say, hey, you should check out TanakhCast. Or you could do the social media thing and like TanakhCast at the show page on Facebook or Google+. Or you could leave a kind word in the comment section at thenextjew.com. Or write a brief review at the iTunes store. Or find TanakhCast at Stitcher Smart Radio or SoundCloud and leave a similarly kind word there. It's a small thing, really, but it will help me and help other people find TanakhCast. And I thank you in advance for that. And I also encourage you to come back and join us next week-ish for episode 51 when we launch the book of Joshua, chapters 1 through 3.